Well, amen. Well, let's, uh, let's grab a seat. It's good to be back in Teesside Vineyard Church. Um, Cookie and I have been, we've been uh, road warriors, uh, sharing the story that God's writing in England and through churches like this one and leaders like Elijah and, you know, just the impact that's happening, the kingdom things that are going on. And um, so we we spent uh, the f- seven weeks uh, living out of a suitcase. Um, we spoke on eight different university campuses in six different states. And we were that group of, you know, husband and wife that we went home to my mom's house every weekend and washed clothes, all right? So isn't that shocking? At 56, I'm that kid who goes home and hangs out with his mom. So anyway, uh, she loved it. She's 84 and um, she's a mess. But uh, is this being recorded? Maybe she won't listen to this. But anyway, no, she's amazing. But um, it was good to get to see her more frequently. And um, But our, our hearts are here and we love this place and we believe God's at work here. And so it's always fun to come home um, to church and to hang out. And to see you and rekindle friendships. It's great to see new faces in this room. And uh, our hearts are with Elijah and Joe. And just we want to see this place filled. I love to hear the worship of King Jesus in this place. You know, and just sit back there and listen to God. Uh, I just know he loves it. He loves that. Um, our, our family is together and we're worshiping him. And that collective happens all over the world. We're just a little snippet of it. You know, we're just a little piece of this uh, giant narrative that God's writing all across the globe. So uh, today, you know, it's funny, I'm not the itinerant preacher, all right? I'm, I'm much more of a pastoral heart, right? But I get, I get a hard job this morning, okay? Y'all are preaching through James. And so I've, you know, I've been given this text, James chapter 4. And, you know, if I'm honest, this is not a pleasant conversation we're going to have this morning, okay? And so don't hate me, all right? Okay? And so this is, this is going to be a real challenge from the Word. It's been a challenge to me all week as I've read through this. And um, I've listened to the Bible app on James 4 on repeat multiple times because I want my heart to be saturated with the Word of God, right? And so I would encourage you. Listen, I don't know if you've brought a Bible, but if you've brought a phone, would you put the Bible app on your phone, please? Not now, obviously, but at some point in your life, put the Bible app on your phone because you know what you're going to find? You're going to find moments during, the, during your day and during your week where you might not have your Bible and drag it around with you everywhere you go, but you, nobody leaves the house without their phone, right? I mean, that's pretty much our current culture. And so, man, how great is it to just put the Bible app on and listen to the Word of God read over your soul, right, at different points throughout the day, um, and just hear the Word, right? And so, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to James chapter 4. If you've got the, you know, the uh, paper version, I love to hear pages turned. If, there's like six people in here that have the paper version, but um, that's cool. But if you've got your Bible app, open it up to James chapter 4. I'm going to read the first 10 verses, okay? And you're going to feel the tension as I read this, okay? Um, because these are hard words. Now listen, the Bible is this amazing collection of authors inspired by the Holy Spirit to really encourage us and to challenge us and to shape us into the men and women of God that he wants us to be, all right? And so oftentimes we're going to read things that feel like a rebuke. You know, it feels like, man, you've just been, you know, 
you know, told off, right? And so um, part of this is that. And so we're going to look at problems this morning, and we're going to look at the solution to those problems, all right? And so we're going to pick it up in James chapter 4, verse 1. I mean, right out of the chute. Now, James is the half-brother of Jesus, okay? I'm sure somebody told you that at the beginning of this deal, right? James was late to the party in knowing Jesus. Even though he was his half-brother, he was not a believer until after the resurrection, all right? He did not, because he's that guy, right? I mean, he's like, this can't be the son of God because I grew up with him, right? I mean, I, we got in fights, you know, we, we had arguments and whatever kids do. Boys, you don't think Jesus and James had a scrap or two when they were kids? I promise you they did, all right? And so James is late to the party in, in you know, following Jesus, um, but, you know, he's powerful. I mean, these words as a submitted follower of Jesus, an anointed instrument of the Holy Spirit to write these words, again, not to, um, not to rebuke us to stay where we are and to, in condemnation, but to challenge us so that we move forward in our walk with Jesus, right? The ultimate aim of everything is to know him, right? And to know him deeply and to make much of him. And that is the aim of our worship. And that's the aim of our life. It's a Godward aim. It's a Jesus aim, right? And so here we, here we hear James telling the, the followers of Christ, again, a very Jewish audience, Jewish Christian audience, right? They were scattered at the, at the persecution of Stephen. And so here he is again, Life is hard, and Christianity is hard. Anybody that tells you that, man, if you give your life to Jesus, it's going to be a piece of cake and all roses, they're lying to you, okay? Christianity is raw, and knowing Jesus is raw. And these are raw words, okay? So here we go. James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet. Good morning. Don't you feel good already? Right? You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Here we go. I love you. Feel the rebuke. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse seven, follow with me, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. I love you. (laughs) And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Will you pray with me? God, we want your word to pierce our hearts. God, we want to look more like Jesus at the end of our time this morning. Um, We want you to shave off the wrong things, the hard things, the, the things in our life that don't reflect 
you and don't reflect well of you to the world that's watching. And so, God, we pray that you'd help us to examine our problems bluntly and honestly today. And then, God, we look to you for the promises and the solutions to those problems. God, help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, I think the first thing, the, the, and I've got two points and about 20 in the middle, okay? And so hang with me. I got the notice that I'm supposed to be done by 12.15 because that's when everybody's going to get up and go get their kids. So I got 20 minutes, all right? So buckle up, all right? And so, so the, first, the first point is the source of our problems. What is the source of our problems? Here's the source of our problems in a, in a nutshell. John chapter 18, I was just kind of bouncing around in scripture this week, and um, I rolled across John 18, where Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, to Pilate, all right? That's what Jesus said to Pilate. So the source of our problem is this, our hearts don't sync up with the heartbeat of God in our current culture. Our desires are not in the right place. And so our problem is the kingdom of God. That's our problem. Because because Jesus, when he saves us, he changes the desires of our hearts. And our heart then is to press the kingdom of God in. And so the war that's going on in our world around us and honestly, in us moment by moment is we're stuck between two kingdoms. We want the kingdom of God, your kingdom come. We're, we're stuck between the now and the not yet. We want to press the kingdom of God in, but we're still wrestling with this world that we live in. And so one of our problems is, is just our hearts don't sync up with the heartbeat of God. My kingdom is not of this world. And those wars and those fights that are going on among us are in reality this battle between our flesh and the spirit of God. And if I'm honest, that's, that's really a tension that everyone in this room faces every single day. Am I going to wake up? Now, if you, I'm talking to believers now because this was written to believers. Am I going to wake up today and be about God's kingdom? Am I going to wake up tomorrow and live and dream and breathe and continue in pressing in the kingdom of God into my world. We all have an assignment, don't we? Everybody here that's know, that knows Jesus, we're all called to mission. And our assignment is different. Wherever your foot falls this week is your assignment by God to press and press the kingdom of God deeper into the world that we live in. Right? And so, but here's our problem. And he says it straight out of the chute. It is our carnal or our fleshly desires. And when we use the word carnal, I'm not talking about a position of Christians. I'm talking about literally that we live in this earth suit, right? We live in, in the flesh right now. And so we've got this battle going on. And so what are they? The, it's pleasure, he says. It's possessions. It's power. And it's pride. So I want to I click through those really quick. The first one is pleasure. Now, when you, when you look up the word pleasure, uh, you, you find the word hedonism. And that is the pursuit of pleasure. All right? The pursuit of pleasure. To self-please. Right? Now, listen. 
this is, this is hard. Because everybody wants to wake up and go feel good about their life and feel good about the things they have and, and experience all that this world has to offer. But the tension that we face is between living and doing life to please ourselves or living and doing life to please God. And so it's this pursuit. Um, and that leads to um, this whole challenge of possessions, right? And man, just what the world sells us every minute of the day. I got to have this. I have to have that. I'm stunned. Even, I'm, And I've been working with young people my whole life. But the number of seven and eight-year-olds that have phones that are fully, you know, data like I can do, I can touch the world at seven and eight. And it's just a microcosm of all that's gone on in our world to possess and own a bunch of stuff. Okay. And I just want to, I want to challenge us this morning because of all that's in here. He says, um, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Circle that word pleasures. And it's just this hedonistic, I got to have stuff. And all of that comes in from possessions. The biggest arguments in families, if we're honest, let's be honest this morning, is about stuff. The number one cause for divorce across the globe is money. That's the number one cause of divorce across the globe. Western, Western world is money. It's possessions. It's stuff. The biggest arguments around, in families center around the pursuit of things. Now listen, I'm not saying we don't need things. We need certain things in our day-to-day lives. I, I don't want you to hear me say... All your stuff is sinful. Get rid of it. But if that's the pursuit of your heart, then that's what this word is for you this morning. The possessions and and the pursuit of pleasure, um, that's for all of us this morning. Use, use, um, so I I wrote this phrase. The pursuit of things, trinkets, and the latest and greatest leads to stress that is really not needed. Okay, now, as I was processing this talk, I tweeted that out this week, that the, the, the great stresses in our life come from things that are from this kingdom, not God's kingdom, right? So if, if that is the problem with a lot of our lives, the weight we carry, the, the things that we're holding on to, if the stresses of this world are what cause the most pain in our life, then how much more do we need to hear this word this morning to let go of some of that stuff and press into the kingdom of God, right? And so use things, not people. Love people, not possessions. Not use people and love possessions. Pleasure, possessions. The third thing is power. And um, I think one of our great struggles in our world is when we, when we, uh, if one of our problems is power, typically what we're doing is we're climbing a ladder and what we end up doing is pressing on people to get to the top of the ladder. And that's, that's 
opposite of what he tells us to do in this passage. In other words, we're, we're suppressing people so we can climb a ladder and get more power. And what he's going to show us later in this passage is the inverse of that is we need to humble ourselves before God, humble ourselves before people, and let God give us the power, right? That's the difference. And then the third thing there, or fourth thing there is pride. We depend on ourselves and not God. We're in control and not God. And this leads to conflict. And it leads to conflict not only in our relational, uh, horizontal relationships, right, with people, our pride hinders our, our personal relationships, but it also hinders this, uh, hinders this vertical relationship that we have with God. Um, and because the scripture there says, verse 6, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And it's like in rugby. I don't know if you watch rugby much, um, but when, when you see a guy in rugby running with the ball, he'll stiff arm his opponent, right? Right before the guy's coming up to tackle him, he'll stick his arm out. And that, that's a, a beautiful image to me. Not beautiful, really, but I mean, it's because it's, uh, those guys are usually pretty scruffy looking. But, um, but just this, the picture of how, how a rugby player would press his hand against his opponent to keep his opponent from getting to him, right? And that's what, that's what pride does with God. God opposes the proud. He stiff arms the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, man, listen, don't we need more and more of God's grace? And so for me, the source of our problems is our heart doesn't sync up with God's heart. And our mind is about this kingdom. Our pursuits are about this earthly kingdom and God's heart and God's mind and God's desire is the heavenly kingdom and, and seeing that transformation that we all long to see. And so that's the source of our problems. And the, the four things there are pleasure, possessions, power, and pride. The world system is so different than God's economy. The world's system is so different than God's economy. And so as we wrestle with that in our own personal lives, the more we give over of our hearts and our minds and our lives and our passions and those things, uh, the more the kingdom of God begins to invade this place, this darkness, our own personal darkness, our own personal challenges, and the world in which we operate. All right. So, so that to me is the source of our problems. All right. And so now I want to talk about the solution. All right. So this should be a little bit more, you know, happy. All right. Because we're solving problems, aren't we? And, um, and we're dealing, we're dealing with issues and we all have them. I've got problems. You've got problems. This world has problems, man. Don't just look around, right? The world has problems. It's a broken place. So what's the solution? to our problems. Well, the first one is that humility before God. Humility before God leads to grace and grace gives the power to change your life. And so the opposite of pride is humility. And so the, um, the arrogance of humanity is more prevalent now than I've, I mean, than any point in my whole life, just world leaders, uh, just the way people treat each other. It's all about me. It's all about myself. It's all about my, 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 me, 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 me. And that is so prideful. But God says 
the solution to that is to humble ourselves before God, right? Humility leads to grace. And don't we need more grace in our day-to-day lives? Man, I do. I need the grace of God on my life every single day. I need to experience the power of the Holy Spirit living and coursing through my life every single day. And so the solution is to humble ourselves before God, to drop to our knees and cry out to God and just ask for a humble heart and be, be a submitted. So, so the next thing there is submit yourself to God. What does that look like? It looks like to order yourself under God. Submission and humility is to say to God, God, I, I, I'm bringing my life in underneath your umbrella of authority. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to look at that in just a moment, um, under resist the devil here. But in, in Ephesians chapter 6, before we get to the spiritual warfare stuff of resist the devil, it's all about authority. Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4, he, God gives us this snapshot of authority for the family. But in that, he gives us this umbrella of protection, all right? The umbrella of God's authority, uh, un, being under God's authority. It's basically like a canopy against the fiery darts of the enemy. And so if you and I, um, if you and I humble ourselves before God and we submit ourselves to God, in other words, we order ourselves under the authority of God, we surrender then we begin to start receiving the benefits of his reign over our life. Because the enemy is trying to destroy you. You recognize that. I know you do. Because you battle just like I do in this present world in which we live in. And the enemy's trying to wipe you out. And he shoots fiery darts. Ephesians chapter 6. He's all about destroying your life. But when we rightly humble ourselves before God and we, we basically bring ourselves under his authority, we surrender, then we begin to experience the power and the presence and the canopy, the protection of God that he promises all throughout the New Testament. And it, and it comes about that we start living then, behaving, receiving the benefits of that reign of God in our lives. And as we walk in that, then things begin to change, right? My, my views, the way I see the world, the way I see my neighbors, the way I see the, the things of this world rather than the things of God, the, the kingdom of, of this present world and the kingdom of God begins to change how I see it. That's called maturity in your faith. And it can happen, honestly, it can happen when you're 15, or it can happen when you're 55, or it can happen in your 60s. It doesn't matter to me where you are on the continuum age-wise. When you begin to see things through the lens of Scripture, through the lens of God, through the lens of God's kingdom, man, you can be, you can be living in that and walking in that at any age, right? It's called maturity. It's called growing in your faith. And so... Start living, start behaving, start receiving the benefits of God as you humbly come before him, as you submit yourself to God. And I would, I would ask you tonight, you know, to think about, open up Colossians chapter 3 when you get home later today. We don't have time this morning. But look at Colossians chapter 3 and look at the, look at the challenge that goes on and as, as we deal with our flesh and then as we walk in the Spirit, Right? 
Look at that. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Again, another passage to another church where Paul's dealing with the same issues of what it looks like to live in the kingdom, what it looks like to live full of the Spirit of God. Okay? Those two passages would be really helpful for us. All right? And so submit yourself to God. And part of that, if I'm honest, we don't talk about this word much. Part of that is the word repent. Repentance. Repentance is not, I'm sorry, God. That's, I'm sorry. Repentance is, God, forgive me for this. I'm sorry for this. And I'm going to turn and go in another direction. In other words, I'm sorry I've committed this sin. I'm sorry I've committed this sin. I'm sorry I've committed this sin is not repentance. It's not. If somebody tells you that's okay to just keep walking in your sin and keep asking for forgiveness and keep saying you're sorry, that is not repentance. Repentance is, God, I'm broken over this. I'm sorry for this. And this is the direction I was going. That's my direction. And your direction's this way. Repentance is turning and going the other direction and choosing to walk in the spirit of God and the power of God and in the kingdom of God. That's repentance. Okay. I'm sorry. It's just, I'm sorry. Right. And it's, it's not life change. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about living and walking in in the solution to these problems in the kingdom of God. So repentance is part of that. All right. The next bit here is he, he goes on and he says, draw near to God Oh, resist the devil. Sorry. I don't want to miss that real quick. Okay. Resist the devil. What, what does that mean? That means Jesus has already conquered all of this. If you know Jesus, you have the power of the Spirit of God living in you. This is not mystical. This is spiritual warfare, a spiritual battle. The victory is won. Doesn't mean the enemy is not going to come and try to dominate and and attack he will even more so the more you lean into God the the more of a threat you become to the enemy the greater the attack and so he's going to come against you and resistance of the enemy he's basically saying put on your spiritual armor hit Ephesians chapter 6 and put on your spiritual armor and walk in the power and the authority that comes with knowing Jesus and the Spirit of God living inside you. Resistance. You know what resistance? It's two Greek words. Stand against. It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual war. You're standing against the enemy. All right? So resist the devil. Now watch this. Draw near to God now comes with both an invitation and a promise. And I want you to see this as we kind of wrap this up. Comes with both an invitation and a promise. Look at it. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands. Another, another picture of repentance. You sinners purify your hearts. You double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. That's all about brokenness. But I love this, this idea that When we come to God, it comes with both an invitation and a promise. Draw near to God. That's the invitation. And he will draw near to you. That's the promise. And what a beautiful picture of how God 
wants to do life with us. Man, from the, from the beginning of the book in Genesis to this present moment, God has longingly pursued you and longingly pursued me. He loves you. He loves me. And his heartbeat is for you to draw near to him. And he wants to draw near to you. That's the beauty of knowing Jesus, is walking in this relationship with him. And the end result of that is that our life and the way we live it is a song of worship. That's really the end result, is that everything we do, every aspect of who we are is a, a song of worship to God. And whether that's you out pottering around in the garden and worshiping um, or worshiping in a church as the collective body of Christ or on some hill, which I would love to do this afternoon. It's going to be beautiful. Who's up for climbing Roseberry? Anyway, but just that, that whole idea of, man, everywhere I go, as I draw near to God, he wants to draw near to me and our life becomes a song of worship to God, right? And as we worship, what do we know, man? It presses the kingdom of God in. And in whatever arena that looks like for us. I love Chariots of Fire. It's an old movie and I'm old school, right? But when he says, when I run, I feel his pleasure, he's worshiping, right? When Eric Little said that, I know God made me fast, right? I can't even say it as cool as he does. But, but the reality is he's worshiping the Lord while he runs. Man, whatever we put our hands to, we can feel his pleasure. How beautiful is that, right? That's, that's where God wants us. The problem is the world is pressing in. And the trinkets and the things and the pleasures of this world, the hedonistic mindset of this world, it's all about us. That's the problem. The solution is, man, God wants to know you and experience you. And you want to experience him and the fullness of who he is. I want to go back to the crux of this issue. Because I think it's pride. I think it's, it's a pride issue. It was in the garden. And it, and it was all through scripture. I can do it. I got this. I will chart my course. I am in control. It's original sin. The simple solution that we can all do today is to humbly admit that you need God and instead of being self-sufficient, be God-dependent. 